Hey everybody, welcome to the IGN Movies Podcast. Keeping Keep it, it real. real. It's Jim Bavida and Chris Carl. Howdy do, everyone. Well, peoples, we uh, we got ourselves some stuff to talk about this here week. Let's start, as always, with the, the weekend box office. Uh, how's about that there Transformers 4, Chris Carl, hanging in there over the July 4th weekend, trampling Tammy. <laughs> trampling the non-competition and that was extinguishing Tammy. evil as in delivers from evil it's one of those movies where clearly people kept out of its way you know yep. you didn't have another like big blockbuster opening the next weekend because transformers had come in and staked its claim to that weekend and so you you know tammy wasn't going to threaten it and delivers from evil was never going to threaten it yeah. but mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean it it, it came in it, it won the weekend but in the U.S., Did at it least, lose the war, though. <laughs> in the U.S., at least, it's not going to do as well as the last one. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about this. Could it, could we be looking at the lowest-grossing Transformers movie to date? Right now, the the film's domestic total uh, stands at 175.4 million, according to Box Office Mojo, and globally, its its current haul stands at six hundred twenty four point three million, which is no slouch, and it's making no its, slouch, it's making its <laughs> money back. That you know that 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 kind of haul ensures that you're going to do a sequel, especially because China has been so big. But but Transformers three made one point one billion worldwide and three hundred fifty two point four million domestically. Transformers four is not going to hit three hundred fifty two. Point four million domestically. Right, it'll probably end up eking past maybe two twenty five or two fifty. We've talked about this a ton of times, and obviously now movies like this are not made just for America. Yeah. They're made for the world, and they're made in 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 increasing amounts for China. You know, yeah. like hey, we're gonna really you know hit this hit hit the Chinese message and like try to make this movie as big as possible and that's what's happening. Yeah. Um and I, I believe the film actually just passed Avatar o- over there as the biggest imported release. Right, which is huge. Yeah. And it's only gonna keep making money there. Here I think it's gonna kind of, you know, be a slow decline. But in the weeks to come, this weekend we've got like apes. Yeah. That, that will Probably it'll definitely a, a, supplant it, but yeah. um, and it'll t- it'll take a piece of that. But I actually don't think that the Apes audience and the Transformers audience are as similar as people might I, expect. I think I think Apes probably skews a little older, but uh, we can talk about that at the at the end of the podcast. But I just want to you know go back to some of the Transformers numbers to give you an idea of at least domestically. To your point, um, Transformers three uh, capped out domestically at. Uh, 352.4 million. The second one was 402.1 yeah. million and the first one was 319.2. I think we're going to be seeing you know, I don't think it's going to settle at under 200 million. I think it'll I think it'll be in the middle there like 250 or something in the US, but that's it's, still a pretty marked drop. Yeah, it is a marked drop and and but I I actually think that the audience has kind of shifted for this film. Or is it a mock drop? <laughs> Mac. <laughs> I, I, I see what you did there. I, You did. You did. The, um, one of the factors that we've talked about a bunch of times is that it's long. It's really long. Yeah. And that you can't show it as many times. Even, as, even though it's in a lot of theaters, you also, can't show it as many times. Also, nobody seems to like it. <laughs> also, you know? there's this little thing about repeat viewability. It, it seems like people really, really <laughs> hate this one. And you thought people hated the second one. But... Um, do you think the the bad word of mouth, at least domestically, and the sort of the 
do you think the switching casts hurt it? I don't know that it's switching casts because, you know, you had switched out Megan Fox and that didn't seem to do well, it did some damage, I guess, but yeah. I, I think really the damage occurred in two being bloated and, and maybe people like kind of running away from this, yeah. the franchise after that. When you got three, it was like, okay, people who are on board for Transformers are on board. Now four, like it's a reboot, but I don't think the problem is that. I think people have been burned, you know, at least two times by yeah. Transformers movies and they're like, I don't know if I'm going to sit through a three hour movie. And, yeah. you know, if you hear one thing, if you're like me and you're like, I'm already on the fence about Transformers and you hear enough bad stuff about it, you're just like, uh, I don't think I'm going to put myself through that. <laughs> and I well, haven't. You were, you were smart not to. Let me <laughs> see. Now, let's let's talk about the um, the other aspect of, of this past weekend's box office, which was you know, Tammy being considered an underperformer. It's Melissa McCarthy's um, third starring vehicle since she broke out in, in Bridesmaids. You know, obviously, she had her TV series and all that. But, um, you know, uh, Tammy opened at, uh, for, for its weekend, it was $21.6 million. Overall, because it opened July 2nd and Long right. Day, it made $33.3 million. Now, but let's just go with the opening weekend. It's 21.6. The Heat was her biggest kind of, you know, uh, starring vehicle uh, debut with 39.1. Identity Thief, second place with 34.6. These um, are opening weekends. These are opening weekends. And, right. and she was paired with another star. Right. She's paired with Susan Sarandon here, but she's covered up. and Yeah. And, and she's playing her grandmother, so it's not really the right. same. Do you think, are people, uh, you know, are they growing tired of Melissa McCarthy's kind of shtick? It does seem to be the same formula each time. I mean, similar thing happened with Kevin James and I think some it's other comedians. Yeah, I mean, I think what it is right now is that she has not, really explored a lot of different territory you know she's been in these roles that are very similar and that's like people were kind of taking her to task critically for that um and you know i kind of think that 33 million opening weekend for that movie is not that terrible actually yeah like i mean it was made on a budget her husband actually wrote and directed it so so i i think movie business is all about like just comparing those numbers it's about saying what are you making over what it costs to make yeah and if if she makes $30 million on a $30 million movie, that's a good business for the studios. That's $30 million they didn't have before. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't think necessarily it's like, oh, call, you know, she's done, stick a fork in her or whatever. I think, you know, professionally and creatively, I think, you know, she's getting a lot of urging from critics to change up the formula. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I don't think it would hurt her to, like, go into a dramatic role at this point because I think she has the chops for it. Yeah. And I think that would sort of, like, rekindle you know, sort of like people's assessment of her. Maybe she needs to go do a couple of like uh, daring little indie films. But Adam Sandler, you know, has been kind of essentially doing his Adam Sandler bit for a long time and people still turn out for those movies in lesser numbers, but the movies still make money. So, um, But he also dabbles in in some genre stuff too. You know, he's done, uh, you know, kind of, well, he's got Pixels coming up and he's got uh, some other movies that have kind of um even eddie murphy has too like where you kind of mix in some other genre where it's not a straight comedy she's done uh basically two road movies 
two buddy cop movies and yeah. an ensemble piece, that, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we always say this with comedians. I, I think to some extent, comedians get kind of pigeonholed. You know, Jim Carrey goes off and does a bunch of dramatic stuff, and then people are like, bring back Jim Carrey. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like Jamie damned Fox if you do. Yeah. yeah, it's like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Jamie Foxx is a weird one. Now I think he's in serious territory. Like, yeah. I cannot see him doing in living color material anymore <laughs> in his career. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think Melissa McCarthy is a talented, very funny woman. Yeah. And, you know, she's proven herself in various projects. It's just, uh, yeah, I think, you know, for people to continue, you know, sort of like seeing her star rise, I think it's, she's going to need to change it up creatively. But, I don't know, like I said, $33 million, nothing to sneeze at for a, 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 essentially a really small comedy. Well, Melissa McCarthy, that's our career advice for you. <laughs> From <laughs> yeah, two that's... guys who couldn't open a movie. <laughs> exactly. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's move on from this weekend's box office and talk about the week that was the week in that was. movie news. Uh, let's start with Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, um, uh, Roth and I saw 17 minutes of IMAX 3D footage from the film the other day. And um, we have a conversation that we did about it, um, that we spoke about at length, and I'll embed it into the article for this. But I'll just recap my thing, and then I kind of want to – you didn't get to see the footage, but I'd like to get your kind of uh, thoughts on, on what I say, which is that, um, you know, I, I've been really stoked for this movie. I think we all have. Um Except for that one guy out there. <laughs> no, there's uh, several guys out there that aren't stoked for the movie. But uh, you know, I, I have to say my my expectations for the film now are a little bit more down to earth, a little bit more muted. Um, you know, mm. if you show somebody 17 straight minutes of footage from your movie, you want them to walk out and be an evangelist for for your project and and spread right. the word. You know, when the Dark Knight did the opening six minutes of the Joker bank heist. And everybody, my God, the, I think the we were all spread. on board. Uh, Captain America Two, they did the 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 boat scene where he's you know taking out the Hydra guys with Black Widow. The Matrix Reloaded. It. Oh wait, yeah. <laughs> Dark Knight Rises kind of backfired when they did their thing because all people right. talked about is you know burn, they couldn't understand them, and that was the conversation. I'll I feel have like the chicken and waffles. <laughs> what did he say? You sounded like J -J -J Jimmy Stewart's babe. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna break you in two, Batman. <laughs> And all of our younger viewers are like, who the hell <laughs> is that? <laughs> you know? um, my dad's prou proudest moment from my childhood was when he got to meet Jimmy Stewart at the at a bird art exhibit. Oh, <laughs> he my was God. Like, I got no, to meet see, Jimmy I Stewart. I would have loved to have met Jimmy Stewart. That actually sounds awesome. <laughs> no, he's awesome. Um, but, uh, you know, Guardians kind of left me feeling a little indifferent. It wasn't awful by any means. It was right. fine. It was okay. But that's the thing. I didn't want it to just seem like, eh, it's okay. You know, yeah, I want to be blown away, and it I, it didn't have that kind of transcendent quality that some of the other Marvel experiences have kind of left a viewer right. with. Um, you know, if I just Rocket Raccoon was the show, Groot was was fine, Chris Pratt was fine, but the comedy was kind of hit or hit or miss. Mm. It, jokes didn't always land, and Gamora and and Drax kind of. They were just kind of there. They yeah. didn't really pop for me. That was my worry with that movie. Like, you haven't established some of those, like, secondary characters. And that was one of the problems. That was, like, the only problem with Avengers, really, is that there were a couple of characters in there, like uh, Hawkeye. Hawkeye. And to some extent, Black Widow, I think they worked her Kobe in. Kobe Smulders' character, a Maria decent, Hill. Yeah, Maria Hill a little bit. Like, it's tough to know what to do with certain characters if you have barely been in introduced to them before. Yeah. And so... You Think know, about like Black Widow and Iron Man too. You know. Yeah, exactly. 
I think, well, I mean, Black Widow definitely established herself in Cap the second Cat yeah. movie. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, when, when you're doing an ensemble movie like this and you don't have that lead up, you know, that, that thing that Marvel has kind of made you expect, which is like you're going to get all these characters, like a little taste of them before you get to this movie. And you really haven't had that. So these people have to build it from, you know, the moment, the first moment you see them. Where in the, where in the scope of the movie was this footage? This, was it in the middle? Uh, no, this, I believe, it was a prison break sequence, and, a, and it was really the first time they kind of had to work together as a team. So I would say it's probably late act one, so like probably about half an hour in to maybe 45 hmm. minutes in. So, like, you know, giving it the benefit of the doubt, like, maybe it's just, hey, these are the 17 minutes we could show you without spoiling everything. True, um, true. But, you know, I feel like the best Marvel movies, Cap 2, and, and you know, like, for me, I really loved Iron Man 3. I totally understand why people don't. <laughs> um, you know, parts of Thor felt really, you know, sort of vibrant the whole way through. And yeah. you were captivated. It was a ride. So, like, to hear that 17 minutes were leaving you a little flat is like, oh, that's a... You know, that could be an interesting problem for well, that Well, I, I think it's, for me, it was also, um, you know, I, I really want to, uh, I really want to be um, a cheerleader for this movie, but I also have to be a pragmatist about it. Like, if something isn't working, that's also my obligation yeah. to, to report that. But I felt like the, this footage and the way it was presented in the crowds that showed up, it was preaching to the to the choir, to the congregation, yeah. whatever that expression is. And that at this point, three weeks out, think about it as like a, a political election. If you're three weeks out and you're just pandering to your base, yeah, you need to go and get everyone else. Yeah, like and, and doing like a giant nerd Valentine's thing is, is I don't think that's like I don't know is are, are people out there who are just everyday Joes who don't know who Guardians of the Galaxy are. Do they have a better idea who the hell they are now? I haven't heard as much buzz like externally or even on social media about Guardians. When Cap was coming out, it felt like it had already reached a level where people were talking about it out there in the world. And now I feel like with Guardians, it's not (coughs) as much the case. And so, you know, Marvel does have some work to do in these last weeks to kind of close the gap. And I think what we've seen from them and Warner Brothers, actually Warner Brothers is great at this, is that that last minute blitz that makes you like oh, desperately like, oh man, I need to see this. Um, maybe they're waiting on that, yeah. or maybe they just are not. We that have confident. to win Iowa. That's yeah, basically. What if, what if they're just not that confident and they're like, well? Yeah, I mean, it w- that makes me wonder. Like, was this uh, um, roadshow thing? Was it basically uh, to get kind of a, a, a almost like a test audience to see like? How much money do we end up spending? Yeah. How much do you, how much marketing do we spend on this? How much do we sink more into the yeah. cost of this movie? Which is like that's really exactly what we were talking about before. Studios look at these things as just an equation. And at a certain point, the reason you don't see certain things marketed is because they don't feel like they're gonna make the return on their initial yeah. investment. So they're like, we could pour all this money down this hole. You know, John Carter, good example. Yeah. You know, we could pour all kinds of money down, and then in the end, if nobody goes to see this movie that already cost us like $200 million, it's just like, what are you going to lose, half a billion on it? You yeah, know? right. But I'm not saying that this is going to happen with Guardians of the Galaxy, because I actually I, don't I, think I, it will. I think, I, I think the movie will do okay, but I, I, I you know, just, I'm, I'm walking out of it, and I'm thinking in my my. I'm like, is this another Hall H movie yeah. where it just plays to that crowd at Comic-Con? And like a Pacific Rim, I'm sorry, I know people don't want to hear it, but it 
it's lucky it's getting a sequel, and it's only yeah. getting a sequel because it did well in Asia. It squeaked by, right? And that's the other factor to this that's interesting. It's that in Asia, this movie could actually be... Could, Who knows? It could, could benefit from that, yeah. again. I mean, yeah. Know, it's, it could, it's a it big, could... bombastic space movie, and... And and it's got uh, you know it's got a lot of um, cool elements. The the trick will be will the humor play. It's not really I can't say it's a kids movie because you know there there are some swear words and you do see Chris Pratt's bare ass at one point. <laughs> wow! So it's not like you can't. Exactly... You heard it here first. <laughs> Celebrity right. skin, Jim Davida. That's, right. that's right, Star Lord's cheeks. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's in uh, in Guardians is just. It's got a lot riding on it. I hope it does well, but you know, those are my thoughts on it. I can't wait to. It's not. You know, I'm just saying. I lowered my expectations a little bit, so now maybe they have nowhere to go but up. I'll tell you this. I was in Target not too long ago, and I happened to see the Guardians of the Galaxy Legos that they have. Oh, nice! And now we live in a world where there are Guardians of the Galaxy Legos. That's all I have to say about that. Also, Modok Legos. Modok Legos. There's a Modok Lego figure, and please um, tell me you bought that. I need to procure it you as do. soon as humanly possible. <laughs> well, let's talk about some other things, Marvel. Here, um, this week we uh, we got some some news about Ant Man, uh, which starts filming, uh, I believe, next month. Um, Michael Douglas. Doesn't it feel like it's been filming for I, like eight months? It already? was supposed <laughs> to be filming like months ago, and I'm like, they they you know, there's a report now that there's going to be two more writers on it. On-set writers, they're reworking the stuff that Adam McKay wrote. Um, they're and, punching you know, up jokes, right? Yeah, like that's I mean, all it is. On-set writers, are, it's really nothing new. A lot of directors who are also writers, I mean, believe you me, if Edgar Wright was still directing this thing, he'd be rewriting it as it yeah. goes, too. But it does make you wonder, like, wow, man, you know, what condition was the script in that, like, you really, that seems to have what it's come down to. They, they seem to have some real concerns about either the tone of the material right. or the morality of it. I think there's a key he's a thief. I think there's a key factor that made Edgar Wright and Marvel split. And I think that's probably where the details are being worked out. You know, like I think th- there was something tonal that they didn't that wasn't jiving with them. And I guarantee, I guarantee that it was a little long for their tastes. I probably I, I'm, I think that they're probably trying to make the story a little bit more compact. Yeah. <laughs> oh, because he's tiny. Uh, cause he's I get an it. Man. He's a wee fella. But uh sorry for that really obnoxious laugh. <laughs> but uh I, I, I really think that's where they're probably doing the tweaking. Uh Michael Douglas said that he's uh he's bummed that Edgar's not doing it after all the years and time, you know, that w- went into it. But I mean, everybody feels that way, right? Like don't you kind of feel for the guy like I mean, sinking his life into this project? But also yeah, but I mean, Michael Douglas is a veteran, and I'm sure he's worked. He was also an Oscar-winning producer before he yeah. was a, a movie star. Uh, he did One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, so uh, he knows both sides of the business. Um, but you know, I have to wonder, like, if you're an actor and you probably signed on because you want to work with this guy, yeah, and now you're signed, and then the guy quits. Yeah. You must be like, oh, man. But you know what? It's still millions of dollars. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He'll just stare at that pile of gold. (laughs) So you make that into a pillow and you sleep on it. And you you sleep just fine. (laughs) Michael Douglas also said that Ant-Man will be at Comic-Con for Marvel's panel. I mean, we kind of suspected that already and we've talked about it a little bit. So I kind of feel like it's a foregone conclusion now. It's going to be. I do wonder what they're going to show, though, since uh, will it just be more conceptual stuff since. You know, they really don't start filming until August. I think we're going to see Paul Rudd in the suit. July. 
I think oh, we'll see Paul cool. Red in the suit. I think we'll see a picture of that because you know at this point they've taken that picture. Um, and I think we'll see some stills. Oh, my God. I had a dream the other night that <laughs> uh -oh. I was on the set of Ant-Man. Uh -oh. And they made the suit. Like it was like it, it was like one of those. Uh, it was like a tent. And it was like one of those things where it was just big and baggy so that when he'd expand and contract. So it just really looked like he was wearing a saggy hazmat suit. But then suit. when he was an ant, it was just a pile <laughs> on the floor. Like, and I, I was like, this is horrible. Like, what happened to the whole thing? With the, oh, man. You just totally gave up. What if that was Edgar Wright's contribution, the tent suit? He, he, he insisted on the tent suit. In. That was it. The tent suit killed it. <laughs> um, let's... Uh, Let's push on from all things Ant-Man. Um, there was some video game movie news this week. Uh, this game, Thief, uh, which I... Uh, stealth adventure st game. A stealth adventure game. The uh, producer of uh, The Ring, I think, Roy Lee, and then um, uh, Adrian Ascari, one of the producers on the Hitman movies, uh, have teamed up there to do Thief as a as a movie. Now, uh, IGN didn't exactly give the game a resounding re uh, review. It's a series of games, and you know, Thief has been a beloved game franchise for a while. But it's kind of it's not like it's not like the popularity of something like Assassin's Creed or a game like that. It's it is sort of a lower, you know, tier. Yeah. And it's it, a period game. I haven't played it. It's another one of those games. I feel like. You could go anywhere with the story because it's essentially about a thief, you know, and it's about stealth and stuff like that. So I feel like you you don't you not you don't have to be slavish to right the material. Well, one of the, the things uh, that was pointed out in our review of the latest iteration of the game was that the story wasn't very good. That it was like a lot of tropes. So it does right. sound like uh, you know people usually fans are worried about filmmakers screwing up the game maybe in this case that could actually improve the game story or something well i think there's a lot of i mean a game story and a movie story are so completely different and then i think the the sweet spot that hollywood still has yet to find is getting getting that story right so that it serves the needs of the gamer and then and also it's just like really really story focused i think we're getting glimpses of that from you know warcraft uh, right um, there's some good stuff coming out of that camp, so I'm hoping that'll be the case. And then, you know, what 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 will tell us more is how Agent Forty Seven turns out. Right. I really love that cast. I yeah. think I it's think an it, interesting uh, approach the with that with that casting. You know. Yeah. So I think you know I think that's a really that'll that'll be a good litmus test to see how Thief is going to turn out. Do you think a property like Thief needs a star? I don't. I, I don't necessarily think any. Well, I don't think any uh, video game property needs a star. I think you want to get somebody that's recognizable. I think, for instance, Assassin's Creed will benefit from having Michael Fassbender in it. But so. did Prince of Persia necessarily benefit from having Jake Gyllenhaal? Is Jake Gyllenhaal somebody who actually opens a movie that size yeah. in the first place? Yeah. You know, like I think uh, we've talked a bunch of times about people not being able to open movies in general. You know, like anymore, it's more characters and properties yeah. and franchises. But um, but yeah, if it is that guy, it's probably not Jake Gyllenhaal. I just don't. I mean, even Yoked, he's not like the guy that you're. He's not like the a. Yeah. The a guy. He's not that. Um, let's actually talk about Comic-Con. Comic-Con. Comic-Con is coming up at the end of July. 
And uh, we're like two weeks away right now. We're two weeks away, and and I already don't want to go. <laughs> You're <laughs> and, done. And we haven't even like finalized things yet. I'm already like uh, I haven't I'm out. set foot in the door. I know. I haven't even bought my train ticket. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to go. There um, are trains in California, people. There actually we are. We do have them. Uh, but so Comic Con is going to have uh, some things that have been officially announced so far. Uh, Ant Man. Um, Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, right. Yes, that movie actually exists, people. <laughs> it's coming to Comic-Con. Yep. Uh, the Hobbit uh, Battle of Five Armies, the final Hobbit film. and We it, knew that movie existed. We did from know that. Way, from a ways back. We knew it went back when it was only two movies. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and this will be its final hurrah at Comic-Con. Um, Into the Storm, I believe, is going. Pixels, which is uh, an Adam Sandler ensemble movie. It's him, Kevin James. Uh Josh Gad, uh, Peter Dinklage, um, and it's basically uh, video game, uh, like classic video game characters uh, come to life and attack America, and the president, Kevin James, has <laughs> to turn to his, his childhood buddy who's like a champion gamer, uh, Billy Adam, Mitchell, Adam Sandler, <laughs> to come and uh, save the country with the help of his gamer buddies. Wow! Uh, so like they're like arcade champions. So that's going to be there, but those guys aren't going to be there. It's just going to be like a hello from the set. But Jack Black will be there for Goosebumps, the R.L. Stein uh, um, adaptation. He plays Stein in the movie. Did Goosebumps miss you? It missed me. I was too old for it. Yeah, no, I was already, I was already growing up. I was, I was intrigued actually. Like even as a, as a, an older reader, I was always intrigued by the covers. I yeah, like, yeah. I would have loved this as a kid, but like I never actually explored it myself. Yeah, no, I, I mean, old. I'm curious about checking them out but now i just feel like well i just look like some creepy old man going to the kids section <laughs> yes, and looking you will. for books you know uh horns is going to be there they officially yeah. announced that today daniel radcliffe and alexander aja and it's uh it's based on um joe hill's novel stephen king's son right oh yeah so um and what's the i i don't even know the premise of that movie well really. he starts like, growing horns I, I i i don't know if he's the devil or not i haven't read the book but now i want to um He's the devil. We're just gonna say we're that. We're just gonna we'll, say we'll, that. We'll, we'll throw. Lies I think there's out. a there's a young woman involved. No, things go wrong. Juno Temple's in it, so we know there's a young woman involved. Uh, Kevin Smith will be there with Tusk. Um, Sharknado too is coming. I love that Tusk is a movie that came out of his podcast. You know, essentially. Yeah. He's and, got a uh, few of those now. He's, and now he's got this movie that he's opening. You know, at Comic Con. From you, his podcast. You know what else will be there that we know of right now? Jupiter Ascending. It's second Comic Con. And if they keep kicking that can down the road, we'll be <laughs> at next year's too. What are you more excited about, Jupiter Ascending or Sharknado 2? Oh, tusk. man. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think know. About horns. It. I don't <laughs> know. Did you say Tusk? Um, any of them. I mean, <laughs> I mean uh, Pixels I'm actually really curious about. I, I think that it sounds like it could be like Ghostbusters for gamers. Like yeah. If you sell it like that, and it is the same studio that gave us Ghostbusters, if you sell it like that... A couple it, years have passed since that happened. True, but. true. But if we don't get Ghostbusters 3, <laughs> we <laughs> might get <laughs> Pixels. Pixels, though, was based on this uh, very popular short film. The same guy who made that is making the the movie. So it doesn't sound like it's Sandler's typical fare. It does sound like, you know, they're, they're pushing a little bit. But we'll see. We'll see. And you know me, big Grandma's Boy fan over here. <laughs> Yes, Last time you we are. really tackled video games, uh, I was <laughs> pleased with the results. <laughs> I am a robot. And, um, and then we think, uh, you know, they'll, you know, obviously a, a lot of other stuff is 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 coming up. 
uh, that hasn't been announced yet. But I, I would be very surprised if uh, there wasn't something for for Batman versus Superman. I think that it would be almost criminal if there wasn't. But, oh. Yes, but I do think that we might end up uh, getting... Uh, something for that. You know what I think is going to happen with that? I think they're going to do. I think they're going to pull an Avengers on us, and I think they're going to get all those people on stage. Oh, dude! That Don't would you be think? Awesome. I yeah, think so. You know what? Why the Why the hell not? Why wouldn't you do that? I would do yes. that. Yes, steal from the other guy's playbook. They have so far. Yeah, it's all. <laughs> you know? Aww. No, I mean, look. It, what, what they say: steal from the best, right? Let's uh, Let's talk about Batman versus Superman, or I'm sorry, Batman v Superman. Dawn of Justice. Can we not call it versus? I think we can still call it versus. The V stands for versus. I just, I, I'm still convinced this is really a, just a movie about a civil suit between them. <laughs> it's just them. about the courtroom. Yeah, or, and it's just about a woman named Dawn who works at the Department of Justice. <laughs> no, that's uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. That's so. true. That's true. Uh, but um, Kevin Smith, uh, there he is again. Kevin Smith uh, popped up uh, this week to say that no. Prior to, uh, you know, contrary to rumors that are out there, he did not write a fake script for Batman versus Superman and leak it to the interwebs. Okay, by the way, who has time for that? You know, like who has time Fanfic. for that? Nobody is going to do that. Nobody. Well, I'm not saying nobody. I'm I have seen fake scripts. There was a fake script Kevin going Smith around is for not Dark do Knight Rises. That's what I mean. Yeah, he does I mean, not have time they were gonna give him, Unless they were going to give him a pretty penny. Why would that, that, yeah. that? That's such a stupid like. That is such a conspiracy theory. I would have. I would need to have Kevin Smith tell me that to my face, <laughs> and then check his fingers for crossies, <laughs> because it's, it's such a ridiculous rumor. Like he, it, that was some fanfic, or it's a completely fabricated rumor about that. I just yeah. don't believe it at all. Now there was also some other Batman versus Superman stuff that came up this week. Stephen Amell, star of Arrow, Arrow himself, Oliver Queen. Uh, has, he's going to be doing, he's going to be running, I believe, the DC on TV panel yeah. at, at Comic-Con, so that's pretty cool. Uh, but he has been talking to fans, and he, he said to them, he's like, look, I'm not in Batman versus Superman, and I'm I'm not involved in, in Justice League. Now, Yeah, everything we've heard think? says that those worlds don't meet, you know? Everything yeah. we've heard says... They don't touch each other. And I would say, like, Arrow and Flash, we know, are in the same universe, obviously, because Arrow shows up in Flash. Um, although, here's an interesting thing. They're building out different superheroes in the show. Yeah. And they're building different superheroes in the movie. So you're going to get the Atom. You're going to get probably two Flashes. You're getting Firestorm in yeah. the uh, series. Yeah. Well, Brandon Routh. As as Adam, you know he's going to be. It's what if they did merge the two things, and now you have Brandon Routh's Adam next to Henry Cavill's Superman. Well, that'd be fun because you could do that like little winky moment on screen where yeah. he, you know he's like nice outfit or something. You or know? every time he looks at him, he just glares, shakes his head. <laughs> like, yeah, that wouldn't. That was mine. <laughs> would, it, like that that joke would come at like everybody. I had a blue and red suit first. You know? <laughs> Yeah, so I, I mean, uh, it's interesting. I guess he could just be playing coy because there hasn't been an Arrow announced for the movies. I mean, Jason Momoa is still playing dumb about Aquaman. And we don't really know what's going on with Flash with the movies, if that's going to cross over. They really haven't made those connections yet. But yeah. I, I, I think in this case we can maybe take it at face value and say the the TV universe and the movie universe are going to be developed separately. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think that uh, as much as they want to... Um, 
probably see how these shows go before they have to make a commitment. The thing is, Justice League is happening, and yeah. you're going to have to finally – and because Warners has dragged their feet for years on, on whether or not they're going to mix their universes – they, they hadn't for the longest time. That's why you had Smallville and Superman Returns on at the same time. Uh, and why you're not, and even within the movie verse, why you're not bringing back Bale's Batman for this one. I'd love to actually hear from, I mean, if they do do the whole big, you know, cast thing on the stage of Comic Con, I'd love to hear confirmation of some of these projects down the line from yeah. actual DC at Comic Con and say, yeah. We're doing this. Well, yeah, that, there were some rumors that, uh, you know, we had covered in the past about what DC Warner's future slate was, including like Shazam and uh, a, uh, I believe it was a Flash. Flash Green, Green Lantern team up movie. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. After Justice League, which means they should already have been introduced. But I don't know if I want to see those two guys together in a movie. I would rather see like Wonder Woman and, and Batman or Wonder, Wonder Woman and Superman or just yeah. a. You know, Wonder Woman's already supposed to be getting her own movie, but like, I don't and, know. And no one's to say that Wonder Woman is going to be devoid of other heroes, too. Yeah. You know, you could see those guys popping up in her movie, too. So, yeah. Um, we'll see. Uh, all right. Let's see here. We also have some other stuff to talk about, including Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo. Guillermo del Toro uh, has been uh, doing the rounds of late uh, now that they have officially announced Pacific Rim 2. Uh, he is going to start designing that uh, within the next six weeks, and then um, they're going to hopefully start filming by late 2015. Hmm. Um, so he, he needs to, time to design the monsters and all that. Uh, but he also said that um, you know his buddies at Legendary, they were keen on, on – uh, Guillermo's pet project, which is Lovecraft's at the mountains of Mad uh, at the mountains of madness, mm -hmm. and you know they haven't kind of signed off on on wanting to bankroll the movie. But now that Legendary and Universal are partnered, Universal originally was developing at the mountains of madness, and, yeah, uh, and passed on. So it. yeah, because of the expense and because it was R rated, so. Guillermo says now that PG-13 movies have really found a way to to push the <laughs> the envelope of that rating, he thinks he's found a way. He thinks to do the movie as PG-13. He, I mean, in this country, I feel like anything can pass as PG-13 unless you show a nipple. So, like, right. if if you start if you start getting boobs involved, then we're screwed. But you might as well show as many beheadings and weird, you know, alien <laughs> send-ups and crazy Cthulhu <laughs> monsters eating children and stuff as you want. Um, as long as you don't, uh, there's no bikinis. As long as they have their clothes on while dismembering people. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, PG-13 is such an amorphous rating in terms of violence and horror and stuff yeah. like that. So I can see it working. Um, you know, you and I have recently read a bunch of Lovecraft. I just tore through his compilation. I haven't read At the Mountains of Madness yet, but I read all, all the other stuff. And, I, you know, I think there are levels to it. I think there are ways that you can show but not show things that go He's, on. He said the toughest part was going to be the uh, alien autopsy of a human. Right. And that's that is the uh, that's can, the one he's worried about. You can get around anything these days. If Hannibal can be on TV. That's true. If Hannibal can be on TV doing what it does, then I think you can get I at the Mountain's Madness. Some of the Madness. stuff on CSI is gruesome. Yeah, like for I've sure. Seen, like behe beheaded 
victims with ants crawling around them. Also, I'm like, that's on CBS. I think this is. I think this is also Guillermo coming around to the fact that he knows he has to make this movie out of PG-13, or it doesn't get made, and he's talking himself into it by saying, "I'm not compromising. I'm not yeah. compromising my vision because PG-13 can actually accomplish everything I, I want to do." He really just wants to be able to make this movie want, in his lifetime, and you know, let him make it. Yeah, <laughs> I want to see it. Yeah, make it. Um, but he's before he does uh, Pac-Man Two. He's pulling a Joss Whedon, and he's going to do a small black and white indie film with John Hurt and uh, an unknown actress that he, a relatively unknown actress that he didn't name, and uh, it's going to be black and white, and there's going to be a creature in it. Um, Guillermo, he can never just not sit down <laughs> or just do. I one love thing. that about him. Yeah. But, but here's the thing: I feel like his best movies are the movies in between the movies. Yeah. You know, like... The Space Between Spaces. He does, like, Pan's Labyrinth came between, uh, you know, like, it, it was, it was like, Hellboy, Pan's Labyrinth. But it's also, like, this is... He is a very schizophrenic filmmaker in that his Spanish language stuff, his more indie stuff, I feel, is so much better than his oh, Hollywood stuff. that's what I'm saying. Like, He's a very, very different filmmaker when he goes and does one for them and then does one for himself. It's amazing. I think they're all for him. But I think he, just like everybody, he's got like at, lots of different aspects to his personality. Yeah. I think, you know, in the same way you enjoy a pop tart, you might go out and enjoy a really lovely steak dinner. You know, like that's what I think. That's I like how Guillermo. Them together, Chris. That's, that's oh, pop tarts with steak dinners. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. That's but a, I think that's how he approaches filmmaking, and I love it. I'm really stoked on this in between movie because I think when he's working small, so, yeah. I mean, it's it just awesome. sounds so cool. Like John Hurt, black and white movie, a creature. It sounds like the Elephant Man. You know. Yeah. So it'd be kind of awesome if he did something along those lines. Like if it's his, like his David Lynch movie of being like a, a black and white oddity. Or David Cronenberg. That's yeah. It feels Cronenberg-esque to me. Um, let's talk about uh, some stuff that's been in the news. We have uh, Mission Impossible 5 is heating up. Alec Baldwin is up for playing uh, a honcho at the CIA Although I think they got it wrong in the trades, I think he's supposed to be like the head of the IMF, which is, mm. which is you know like what Hopkins did in one of the movies and Fishburne did in the third one, mm. uh, and then Rebecca Ferguson from uh, the White Queen is oh, going to yeah. be the female lead. And it's, White Queen is really good, by the way. If you I haven't seen, seen it. it. It's, really it's good. A, based on a true story, yeah, too. It, it is. I, I I know that if we have any UK listeners, um, it wasn't received well in the UK, but um, without like the total burden of history and sort of like growing up in that world i know they take liberties with the story but i think the story is well told in that movie whether or not it like completely aligns with the history that happened and it's basically um war of the roses uh, you know well war of the roses has really become uh something i want to look into more because it was such an influence on game of thrones right and like uh, it's funny when you go back through and you you look at some of the people in the war of the roses you're like oh yeah i can see where (laughs) this guy's little finger and you know yeah uh and then like um uh, Ivanhoe was another influence on, on Game of Thrones, and I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Um, some other stuff going on in movie news. The writer of Transformers 3 and 4 and The Ring, Aaron Kruger, is going to write and um, One out of three produce, <laughs> right, <laughs> and produce a live-action Dumbo for Disney. Uh, uh, mm. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure Dumbo will probably be a mixture of CG and and maybe a live-action elephant with prosthetic ears. 
All right. It'd be kind of awesome if they got Andy Serkis to do a, a performance capture Dumbo. Oh, God. I would Reboot love to Gus. See. Reboot <laughs> Gus right now. <laughs> That's all but, I have to say. I mean, um, you know, Disney is doing this thing now of really going back to the well of, uh, you know, with Alice in Wonderland. Uh, Wonderland. <laughs> Alice, Alice in, in Wonderland. Wonderland. Hello, like, I'm Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Tazen, <laughs> Lord of the Apes. Uh, Alice in Wonderland, uh, Maleficent. They've got Cinderella coming up. They've got the Jungle Book. The uh, only thing that's come out of Maleficent is that now I know how to pronounce her name. That's, that's right. Like the best thing to come out of that well, movie for me. There, it, it's done that then, and <laughs> you know you can't ever knock it. Now. But they definitely have a lot of live action projects. I, I mean, how far away are we from a live action Frozen? I'd say fifteen years. You you need that Ten. generation to grow up to like be like oh I love this when I was your age or or like you know big yeah. sister to little sister at least but yeah especially too if if uh, Frozen becomes like a Broadway thing oh which it then, will then you're buying another ten years of life for that yeah, thing you, you might know? as well just like I, I'm, I'm well there's already live action Frozen coming to Once Upon a Time so I'm surprised they haven't already announced Frozen as a stage play I'm, a, I'm surprised they haven't announced a, a sequel but you know I guess they'll We'll get around to it eventually when they have a, a, a good story to tell. Um, you know what they uh, is going on? Ridley Scott sure loves himself them biblical epics. <laughs> He's got the trailer for Exodus, King, uh, Gods and Kings dropped this week with, with uh, Christian Bale as a, a very clean-cut looking Moses, I have to say. And then Ridley is also producing a movie about King David, and it's believed that it would be uh, after David and Goliath. What if he just starts building out the biblical universe like Marvel is it's building like out the cinematic universe? universe like and it all builds up to, to Jesus. <laughs> Moses shows up in like various Christ movies. the ultimate prequel. You know? like, they have to get... They have to get I mean, like, actually, it'd be the sequel. Yeah. They have to get Christian Bale signed on for eight movies. Yeah. This is... I wasn't willing to do it for Dark Knight, <laughs> but I will do it for God. Oh, my God. I love this idea. Why isn't this happening? I know. Well, I, I think... What's her name? Uh, Roma Downey is trying to do that on TV with all... Her, her stuff for like History Channel. Oh, so. man. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, move on to what's opening up this weekend. Uh, it's a little something I like to call Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, no, we loved this movie. Um, Scott Kalura gave it a 9.5. That is a I, high, high mark from IGN Movies. I saw it the other night, and I totally agree with him. I absolutely loved it. Roth uh, saw it and loved it. Um, uh, are you an Apes fan overall? Was that like a franchise that ever held your interest? I know I like some it. people it was kind of like... I, I like really it, but thing. like I had this sort of like passing interest in it. It was never like something I was super passionate about. I felt like it was like right in that time when I was I was I kind of grew up a Star Trek kid and a Star Wars kid, you know, yeah. Star Trek from TV and Star Wars. And, it, and Apes was always around on the fringes, but I was always like, oh yeah, that's that thing, and I probably yeah. would like it if I watched it, but I didn't really watch it. Yeah, my my dad tried to to get me into it more, and I I always loved the original movie, but I also I mean people forget this, but Apes had a presence on television yeah. in like the late 70s and early That's 80s. That's all I knew of it when their I was a kid. cartoon and then in the in the live action show and they're both now on Netflix and they're both really bad. To like, me as it's a just kid, not good. As the a movies are fine. As but, a like. kid it always seemed really serious to me and I, I think I had a Planet of the Apes coloring book and I was like they're just all sitting around in Congress. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, where are these It was the original uh, uh, Trade Federation yeah. stuff. <laughs> oh, exactly. You know? It's like why aren't these apes like going they're around pontificating like pontificating about the nature of man? They need know? to go like at least enslave some like half naked well, women. Well, the Planet of the Apes definitely gives you your your bang for your buck literally with the uh, one of the apes on horseback with two machine guns charging at humans. That's what I want to see. You get you get your money's worth. Uh, how about we 
Uh, any memories about the Tim Burton film? Oh God! Uh, yo, ooh, here's and here's Mark the... Wahlberg. Before we had Transformers Four as his the nadir of his uh, science fiction career, <laughs> well, we had Planet of the Apes. That was like at the height of the Estella Warren like <laughs> fervor. Like everybody was really That's right. Her. I forgot she was the she was the Nova character. Yeah, and so one, she right? got cast in that movie, and like was I mean everybody in that movie was kind of like a little off from what they should have been. I thought, and that the, the script wasn't right. But yeah, yeah, you know, I, I thought the, the casting the apes worked. Like I loved yeah. uh, Helena Bonham Carter in there and Giamatti. Uh, Michael Clark Duncan and Tim Roth. I like some of the production design in that movie. I just feel like overall it didn't work. My biggest memory from that movie is that IGN had an ad running on that movie for the longest time, <laughs> and it would autoplay every time you came to the site. So, like in the office, we would hear it go off all the time. It was like, "Bow your head, yeah, bow that's your head, right. I remember bow your that. head," and like you heard it around the office. And that was like, it, I mean, it was years that's after like, I had started working, but that was like ten years ago. I think yeah. this one, yeah. I've been here fourteen years, uh, nine on, almost fifteen. <laughs> Oh, wow. Uh, wow. So Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, awesome movie. Go see it. Uh, I think, though, it's, um, you know, it's it's probably not going to, it's not going to open like gangbusters, but I think high 60s to mid 70s for that one. Like, I don't think it's, it's not going to do like Transformers Enough money action or for even people, Marvel do you money. Think? I think so. Yeah. yeah. I think it, for me, it worked on a number of levels on, on a, an emotional level. The, the characters were great. Uh, the meaning. I mean, I did have some uh, people I, I was talking to who who liked it, but weren't uh, bananas for it. Oh, they man. didn't. You, uh, how how long were you eight? hanging on to that? Oh, I've been saying the bananas line for weeks. Oh, now. okay, good. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it, people look. The people who know this podcast know. I love me some puns. Yeah, you, I am going to work that stuff in. You, whatever reference you, you I can get. You can't even help yourself like I that. I can't. No, I'm an addict. Look, <laughs> there were 12 steps. I would I would have missed 11 you, of you them. You did one and a half of That's them. That's right, and then I gave up. Um, so, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, I think, will probably open it around 70 million because I think it's it's got such great buzz, and I really do think like. You know, last weekend's box office was a disappointment, and yeah. and I do think like people want to go back to the movies. It, we say it like people haven't been going to the yeah, movies I mean, this summer, but they're making millions but, and millions of dollars. But I do think like you know the box office was down significantly, soft, yeah. you know, uh, the last uh, week or so. So I do think this will put butts back in the seats, and I do. Uh, but it, a lot of it depends on weather. I mean, it's been really. Uh, uh, gorgeous out for in different parts of the country. So if it's particularly hot and people want to go soak up the AC, that's only going to help. Or if it's yeah. pouring rain, uh, so I think I'm going to say Don the Plenty Apes. 70 million uh what do, what do you think yeah i i think it's going to be around there i might even go a little lower for it okay. i would say like 65 for it and then okay. um i don't even know what transformers is going to do I, I think that'll drop down to like 20 yeah yeah I, I, right. I i think that movie is gonna i think it'll be out of theaters by end of this month what no way you, I, really I think, I, out well, of some theaters it's gonna hang I think, on i well let's say three weeks from now Maybe it'll, well... I think Guardians has the potential to, like, push it out when it comes in August, you know, like, to be like, oh, we've got another one of these. Well, one thing that concerns me about Guardians box office is if people are unsure about it, um, you know, because it looks like some... Yeah, it's a huge test of the Marvel brand. Like, is the brand enough to put people into theaters who wouldn't otherwise go see something that's essentially Galaxy Quest? Yeah. Yeah. if it is, then great. They can pretty much do anything. If it isn't, but word of mouth is good, 
all those people that might be curious to go see it the second weekend, well, they might be going to see Ninja Turtles, which yeah. opens up the 8th, because maybe they're bringing their kids to that. Because, again, like Guardians, not necessarily a kid's movie. I, I, I fully believe that Ninja Turtles is going to be the bigger movie than yeah. than Guardians in the in the final analysis. I think it's going to make more money. You're, you're pulling a JFK there. In, in the, the uh, final. <laughs> in the uh, final analysis, I, I do believe the Ninja Turtles will, will excel. Uh, <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, sorry we didn't have time for, for reader email this week. It really is. Just stop saying We it. didn't just have time for Matt it. Damon this week. <laughs> um, so, uh, but uh, check us out over on iTunes. Give us a uh, shout out over there. Send us your reader email so we can't read it <laughs> at keeping it real at IGN.com. Uh, you can find us on uh, Twitter at, at Stacks IGN and at Chris Carl. I'll put it into the, the story too. Uh, as always, folks, thank you for listening. We will catch you next time.